morning. We just had an amazing day yesterday and I got to meet some of the incredible women and young girls from this church. And you know what? One Heart Church has got a little place in my heart now. As I've um, got to know different ones and heard a few different stories and had the opportunity to be able to share my heart, it was such a special day. And uh, I want to thank, especially thank um, Pastor Rob and Pauline for inviting me here this weekend. It's been a, such a privilege to be able to share. And, you know, as I was praying for you guys, I, I just felt God put a, a little word on my heart for you and I just want to encourage you. And I felt like God said it was like when Paul wrote and said that, you know, his life was like a drink offering that was poured out. And I had this sense that that's what both of you have done. You've poured out your life as a drink offering. And it's with that comes incredible sacrifice. And I felt God said that he is so pleased. And, you know, with that pouring out of that offering and that sacrifice, you know, there's been fruit that has, has grown as a result of that incredible sacrifice that you've laid down your lives, you and your family. I see the fruit in the lives of your children. I've only met them this weekend and I've just seen incredible things, what God is doing through each one of them. And that's because your parents have laid down your life as a sacrifice and poured out as an offering. And I just had a strong sense that God is going to open up more um, areas of community engagement over the next coming months and years and opportunities are going to come and you're going to go, where did they come from? Well, actually, they're coming from God and God is going to create these opportunities and, you just, and I know you guys will just step into them with both hands. But I just want you to know that the favour and the blessing of God is upon you. And I also saw, I just saw this, uh, this field of incredible, beautiful desert flowers and these flowers were growing in places that they should not have been growing. And I believe with the fruitfulness and the sacrifice and as you've been sowing in, there's going to be incredible fruit that are going to come into places that no one, no one know would ever be able to imagine that fruit would come from. But God is going to cause that to happen as a result of your ministry and your sacrifice. And let's just pray for your incredible pastors now because I think God's hand is upon them. I know as a church you love them, you support them. I've only got to know them recently and already love them dearly. And dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for Pastor Rob and Pauline and the family. I thank you for the call and the anointing that is upon their lives. I thank you, Father, that you have placed them in this place. God, that you have planted them deep within this very community because they are your people to be able to bring light to this place. And God, I thank you that even as the, the, their theme this year is fruitful, that God, they would continue to see more and more fruit. Lord God, as they would just sow in to the area that you have placed them. Bless them in every way possible, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> yeah, well, I've, I came with my dear friend, Jan. Now, Jan actually happens to be uh, Rob, Rob and Pauline's sister-in-law and so Jan is ma married to Pep who's Rob's brother and I'm sure Rob might talk a little bit about her later but, but she's a dear friend and she shared, who enjoyed Jan, what she shared yesterday girls, wasn't that great? <coughs> That's right and so it's been lovely, I've known Jan for a number of years and we serve in church together and so it's been great having her here this weekend. But now just um, what I really felt to share this morning is about hope. And I really had a sense that perhaps there's some people here today that have lost hope in perhaps a, a particular area of their life. And I was really challenged to have a look at what it means to actually hope again. 
And you know, sometimes, and we talked a bit about this yesterday, sometimes the storms of life and things that happen can actually cause us to lose hope in certain areas of our lives. You know, sometimes, whether it be constant discouragement, whether it's hurt or something that has happened, there's a particular area in our life that we just have lost hope and there's no hope and we just don't have hope in that situation. And the Bible actually says in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so sometimes when we lose hope, it actually says there, it actually like makes the heart sick. If hope is deferred or if we're not seeing things happen that we want to see in a particular area of our life. But I believe that God really wants to encourage you this morning because you know what? Hope is essential. Hope is actually essential really for health and for happiness and for seeing outcomes in our life. And you know, hope is actually what, what I really consider hope to be is like a, a reservoir of emotional strength. And when we lose hope in an area, it, it actually affects the outcomes of that particular area in our life. And hope is actually having a confident expectation and a desire that something good is going to happen. And sometimes there's situations in our life and we think, gosh, there's no hope. There's no hope in that situation. But I just believe that God, in some instances, in some people's lives today, wants you to start to hope again and to put your hope in God again for that particular area. And it was interesting, as I was looking at hope, there's some research that actually states that, um, like I said, that hope and optimism are really needed to see outcomes, outcomes in our life. And hope and despair don't actually just affect how we feel, they actually affect the outcomes in our life. And so people without hope, they say, this is what research says, they will avoid bigger challenges and quit earlier. Those without hope act helpless and actually feel like they've got a lack of control over their environment or over their life. And sometimes people with, that have a sense of hopelessness don't believe that they'll ever have the life or the future that they want. And you know, that is a sad place to be. But you know, God has different plans for our lives. And when we have God in our life and we start to put hope in God in those situations, things can start to change. And sometimes we can really hope for something and believe for something. And sometimes we don't always get the prayers answered that we want. And sometimes that's, that's a difficult thing to have to face because we know God can do it. And sometimes it happens with other people, but sometimes in our own situations, it doesn't happen. And sometimes that can cause us, when we go into the next trial of our life, because that particular prayer hasn't been answered, then we have lost hope that God will answer anything else in our lives. And I remember we were uh, pastoring a church in, in Brisbane, and we had a young dad that uh, contracted cancer. And as a church, we were really, really believing that he would get healed. And we knew God could heal him. And we knew and we claimed the scriptures and we really believed that God would heal him. But sadly, he passed away. And he had a little child, he had two little children. And I remember sitting with the wife and, and I had to sit with her as she told her little children that their daddy had passed away. And, you know, that affected me. And I'd been a Christian for a long time and I had believed and we trusted God. I couldn't see any sense why God would take this young man. Yet I knew God could heal. 
But the next time that I had to go and pray for somebody that was sick, I was saying the right words. But I, in my heart, there was no real hope. And I realised then that I had to deal with the fact that I was really operating out of an unbelief because the word of God says he can heal. And we will never understand why God heals some people and why he doesn't heal others. We'll never understand that. And they're the questions that we can only really understand and know when we get to heaven. But I knew in my heart that I had allowed my hope to, 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 to dim in that instance when it came to healing. And I had to go back into the word of God and say, God, please forgive me and help me to be able to put my hope and trust in you again so that when I believe, I, can, I will believe that you can heal. And I have seen people healed and we've had amazing miracles at different times. But at that instance, it was amazing the effect that it had on me when I didn't see that young man um, get healed. But, you know, when I was thinking about hope and I was looking through the Bible and, um, and talking about how we need to hope again, you know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, and there's a lot about hope in this particular chapter. And I thought we'd just have a look at that. And if you've got um, your Bibles here or your phones or however you look up scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We're just going to look at a couple of verses in here. And we just want to have a... I'll give you a little bit of a background on Peter's life. And some of you know, might know about Peter. He was one of Jesus' disciples and he was quite loud and often spoke before he thought and he tended to get into trouble a little bit. But he was the one that would leap out into the water when, when Jesus called them to walk on water. Peter was the one that did that. And he was, he, he was just loved life and was loud as life. And, and he was quite a, a, quite a character is Peter. And so he was one of Jesus' disciples, so he walked with Jesus. So he walked with Jesus for just over three years. And so he would have heard what Jesus was saying, saw what Jesus was doing, and lived very, very closely to Jesus. But there was a point in, in Peter's life that was probably one of the darkest points of his life. And Jesus said to him at one point, he said, you know, before the rooster crows, Peter, you're going to actually deny me three times. And Peter goes, no, not going to happen, you know. I would never do that, Jesus. I would never let you down. But, you know, what happened was at three different, when Jesus was arrested and it would have been quite a violent situation, it would have been a very scary and traumatic situation, when Peter saw what was happening, he actually sort of slunk back into the crowd and sort of hid because he didn't want to be aligned or associated with Jesus at that time and he was quite afraid. And three different people said to him, hey, hey, there's that guy that was with Jesus. He was one of um, Jesus' followers there. And three times, guess what he did? He denied Jesus. And so, you know, Jesus was taken off and then he was crucified. And so you can imagine how Peter would have felt because he had really loved Jesus, walked with Jesus, but he denied Jesus at that point. So he was having a real sense of failure and had probably lost hope as to what was even going to happen in his life. And the last words that he, was, he said before Jesus was crucified that Jesus would have heard was him denying Jesus. And so I think Peter would have gone into a very, very dark time and would have lost hope in that situation. But then an incredible miracle happens. As we know, Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead after three days. And then he was on earth for a period of time. And you know what? He went and he found the disciples and he found Peter. And can you imagine how Peter would have been feeling? But how did Jesus respond to him? Jesus reached out his hands and said, we 
I'm sure he would have said, Peter, I forgive you. I understand what happened. I forgive you. I love you. You're my son. You're my disciple. And then you're my apostle is what it says later on. And, you know, you might be here today and you might have felt like you've let Jesus down. You might have walked away just like Peter did. But Jesus is saying, just like that beautiful song, Reckless Love, Jesus' hands are outstretched to you and he is not condemning you. He's not pointing his finger at you, even though it's what we deserve. He's reaching his arms out, just like he did to Peter, reinstating you back into his family. And if you've drifted away from God or if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, guess what? His arms are outstretched to you this morning and you can have that incredible, precious relationship that Peter and Jesus had. And so Peter is writing this book, this first Peter chapter 1 is what we're going to look at in a minute. And he's writing this book and what had actually happened, this is a few years later, the Christians were actually being really persecuted at that time and there was a new emperor called Nero that had actually come into being and he was treating uh, the Christians in such a terrible, terrible way. And uh, it was not a, a, a comfortable place to live in. It wasn't a safe place. You know, when we think about our Christianity, we can just come to church. We can catch up with other Christians. There's no issue whatsoever. We live in a free country. But at that time, there was such turmoil and there was such persecution against the Christians. And so Peter decides that he would write, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to these Christians that were struggling. And it says in 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, it says, I'm writing, of, actually, first of all, it actually says, I, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that's where we see that Jesus had reinstated him as an apostle, that he wasn't Peter, the one that had denied me. No, he was Peter, an apostle, which meant a special messenger, personally chosen representative of Jesus Christ. How precious is that, that, that Jesus had reinstated him? Then he goes on and it says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago and his spirit has made you holy. You know, and I think how precious was that? These people were actually living in different countries. They were uh, being persecuted and so Peter writes to them, and he reminds them, he says, I am writing to God's chosen people. Did you know that you're chosen by him? That he loves you so personally that he handpicked and has chosen you to be his daughter and his son? I think that's an incredible truth and we can have hope when we know that we are chosen by God. And so these people were living in these different places and they were probably feeling exiled because they weren't actually living in their, their, their home place where they were supposed to be living with their family. They were living in these other places. And they were in, probably in an uncomfortable place, in the, in a, probably in a strange place. And have you ever ended up somewhere that you don't know how you get there? Like, have you ever gone through a relationship that has broken down and all of a sudden you think, how did I end up here? Have you ever ended up in a, a different town or country because of work commitments and things and you think, my goodness, how did I end up here? I remember when my marriage, when my marriage broke down and I shared my story a little bit last night, but I was a pastor's wife, we were running a church and, and my marriage broke down very, very sadly and it was such a painful time. And all of a sudden I'm in this place that I'm a single mum raising these two boys 
And I never, ever expected to ever be in that place. And perhaps you're here today and you're in a place that you never, ever expected to be in. And you're feeling like that you're a foreigner or you're feeling like you're exiled or you're feeling like you're in a place where you don't really want to be. But guess what? Just like Peter wrote to those people and told them that they were God's chosen people, he wrote and is saying to you this morning, I know where you are. I know that you're not in the place where you want to be, but I am there with you. I'm writing to let you know that I care about you, that you're not alone, that you're not abandoned, that you're not invisible, that I see you. And God is saying to you this morning, he sees you right where you are at. No, even if nobody else understands, no, even if nobody understands where you are at or what you're going through, guess what? Your Heavenly Father is saying to you, I have chosen you, I know where you are, and I'm writing to you to encourage you, and I'm telling you this morning, I'm speaking to you this morning to encourage you to say, you're not forgotten, you're not invisible, you're not insignificant. I see you and I'm with you where you are. And so it gives us great hope to know that God has chosen us. It gives us great hope to know that God knows where we're at and he sees us. And nothing, nothing surprises God. Nothing takes him by surprise. And he never has forgotten you and he never will forget you. But he loves you. Even if people have let you down or abandoned you, he will never let you down or abandon you. But it's really important, just like we know that we're chosen by God, what sometimes happens in life is the opposite to being chosen is to be rejected. And oftentimes, and I just felt to share this today, that perhaps there's people here today that have suffered rejection in some way, whether it's through a marriage or a relationship, whether it's through family or friendships, and there's just a sense of, of rejection. And, you know, rejection is a, is, is a very, very hurtful and a very painful thing to go through. And I've experienced that in myself when uh, my marriage broke down and my um, husband chose to be with somebody else and the rejection that you feel is just incredibly hurtful. And research actually states that rejection is actually can be equivalent to having some type of physical pain. And rejection is also something, if we don't deal with it, that will actually can affect us for years and years, can actually start to shape us if we don't deal with the rejection that has happened to us. And it also says that rejection is um, the pain that actually is a reoccurring pain. And I remember uh, God has taken me on an incredible journey of healing and he can heal our rejection. And I'm so grateful and thankful to what God has done in my life. But, you know, it, 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 it can actually come and it can actually um, press buttons in us sometimes and we react a certain way, and we don't understand why we're reacting that way, but it's because it's touching areas of rejection or hurt and pain in our life, and we're reacting out of that and out of a, a, a whole heart. And uh, I was telling Robin, Pauline and Jen the other night about my dad, and as you know, he's a pastor and has been pastoring for a number of years, amazing man, I just adore him. He was one of the children that was, was actually brought out on the boats from England, and so he was one of those uh, little boys that was in, he was nine years of age, he was in an orphanage in England and he was brought out to Australia on a boat, travelled for months and months on the sea, little boy on his own with a whole group of other kids, 
um, what was happening. The, the Second World War was on in England and they made a decision over there that it would be safer for the children to be out of uh, London and the surrounding areas. So they plop, plonked them on a boat and sent all these little kids to a foreign place and they put them in an orphanage and Dad went to an orphanage in Melbourne. And so what actually happened, because of Dad's experience as a child, he suffered incredible rejection and abandonment. And so it was quite a story, and he's actually just written his story, so I haven't read it yet, but we've heard bits and pieces of it. But um, what actually happened was he met my mum, ended up having six kids. I've got two sisters, three brothers. He wanted a big family because he didn't have family, and so his heart was that he wanted a big family, so he got a big family, big, loud, noisy family, which is great. And so, but through his life, and talking to my mum particularly, um, there was, because of the rejection that he'd felt, certain things would trigger. And so his reaction, even through their marriage and even as a dad at times, would be a reaction out of rejection rather than out of a, a whole and a healthy heart. And so God in his grace, after a period of time, you know, obviously dad was asking God to, to, to heal him, which he started to do, and it was a process for my dad. And so dad went down that course of where... God came and touched him and healed him from the hurt and the pain of rejection that he's been through. And what's been amazing, the English government have actually paid for my dad to go back and to meet his family. Because what actually happened, his mother ended up having another five children. They lived in Ireland. And so my dad has been able to go back. And I was able to go back on a trip with him to meet these relatives in England and in Ireland that were actually blood relatives. So I'm sitting in this room and there's all these strangers and they're related to me. But you know what was incredible? Um, the family over there, they couldn't understand. They're saying, why would you even want to come and see us? The way you were treated, the way that you were given away, why would you even want to come and even track down your family? And Dad was able to say, well, you know, when I became a Christian, when Jesus came into my life, He's been able to help me and he's brought healing and wholeness and I want to be able to share what Jesus has done for me with you. It's an incredible testimony. And then he, we had a, a catch-up with people in Sydney, a whole lot of children that had come out on the boats. <clears throat> they were probably in their 50s or 60s at the time. They all met up a, at a place in Sydney. And uh, Dad said it was amazing. He went there and um, the amount of broken people that were in that room and he said people that had been rejected, that had been abandoned, that had been through three and four different marriages, some had mental health issues, some had depression. And Dad said it was just so sad. And he said, you know, here he was of a trophy of God's grace and love and mercy. And the difference when you allow God to come in and start to deal with those areas and start to bring healing and wholeness. And my message today is if you have areas of rejection... And I'm so sorry that you've been through those things and the pain that that causes. God wants to start the healing process. God wants you to open up your heart and lay it bare and say, God, I trust you to come and bring healing and wholeness. And he will start to do that. And it doesn't just happen just at an altar call. You know, God can come and he can touch us and can do amazing things. But it's a process as we allow the Holy Spirit to bring, holy, bring healing into our lives. And sometimes, like I mentioned yesterday, we need to get counselling. We need to get professional help to be able to help us, good Christian counselling or, or leaders that will help us or good friends that can help us journey through. And I believe that um, 
these, Peter, these people that Peter was writing to, they were able to have an incredible hope because Peter was writing them, to them to tell them that they were chosen, that God loved them and that God knew them and that the, the rejection and the hurt and pain that God wanted to take those things from them and to bring healing and health. And I believe that's what he wants to do for those of you here today that are struggling with that as well. And then it goes on as it says in verse 3, it says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again and because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's an incredible hope that we have, that we are born again, that we are children of the living God, that, you know, we are just passing through this earth, that when you become a Christian, we have an eternal destination. We have an eternity that we will spend with our Heavenly Father. What an incredible hope that is. And Peter was writing, reminding these people that, you know, you're going through a hard time, it's a difficult time, but guess what? Remember that you have a hope, that you have been born again, you are saved, you are a child of the living God and I think that is incredibly precious because you know you've got to remember Peter was there Peter was there when Jesus was uh, crucified Peter saw that Jesus was crucified and saw with his own eyes that Jesus was raised from the dead so Peter was able to give that incredible hope knowing that he had been there and experienced it this living Jesus that had been raised from the dead that was now in heaven seated with his heavenly father and he was wanting to encourage these people just like I'm encouraging you today that no matter what you're going through you have this incredible hope that you will one day be with Jesus that you will one day spend eternity with him for those of you that have received Jesus into your heart and he is Lord of your lives what an incredible hope that is for us but then it says, it goes on to say that we can, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And the various trials are because the genuous, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what Peter's saying, hey, you know, guys, you are going through tough times. You are going through trials. He recognised that. And he says, that is just for a little while. And, you know, I often think, God, your little while and my little while are sometimes very different, you know. My little while is, I'd like this over by next week, please. But oftentimes it's not quite like that. But Peter is saying that, you know, you're going to come through this. There is a start, there is an end. And even if the end is heaven, you will come through this. But what he was saying there that we actually need, there is a hope when we understand that the trials and the things that we're going through are actually to prove and to create the gems and the treasures that God wants to bring out of us. And you know, there's, uh, it talks about there that gold, and when you get gold out of the ground, it doesn't look very flash or very, there's impurities in it. But what they do, as you probably all know, is they put it under incredible heat and pressure. And what happens? All of the impurities rise to the surface. And what's left is something that, that, that is very precious and very, very valuable, which we know is gold. And when we start to see that the trials and the difficulties that we go through, when we start to look at these differently and start to say, God, what are you showing me in this? What can I learn through this situation? What can I see that you're doing? What can, is there an area in my character that you're working on? 
Is there an area uh, that you are maturing me? And I believe when we start to see there's an incredible hope when we understand that we're not going through these trials for nothing, that God, even though he allows certain things to happen in our lives, he's allowing it so that the gems and the precious gold can rise to the surface, that we can bring glory to God and we can live fruitful lives for his kingdom. Because it says in Romans 5 verses 3 to 4, it says, But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, sorry, perseverance character and character hope. And so there is a reason that we go through these difficult times, even though I could do without a few of them. Is anyone with me? But, you know, when I look back over my life and I see what God has done in and through me, um, when my marriage broke up and there's other things that have happened in my life and as you allow God to do what he needs to do and if you've got a heart that wants to be willing and obedient and pliable, you'll be amazed what God can do in and through you. And I'm doing things now that I never, ever dreamt that I would do and that's only because I've allowed God to have that testing fire take place in my heart and my life. Did I enjoy most of it? No. But, you know, I know when you see that it's actually for your good, it's, it's, it's amazing that you can start to see and look at your trials and your difficulties diff differently. And I think that God wants us to understand that, you know, look at these things that are going on in your life and saying, God, what are you trying to show me? God, what do you want to teach me through this season of my life? Because I want to learn everything I can from you. And Corrie ten Boone wrote this. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And, you know, there's lots of unknowns, aren't there, in our world. But I believe that God wants us to put our hope and our trust in him. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but I just believe that perhaps there's an area that you have lost hope in and God wants you to put your hope and your trust in him again. It might be for your kids. It might be for your marriage. It might be for a job. It might be for healing. And I'm not saying that you're going to get the answer that you want, but God wants you to put your trust in him regardless of what the answer is. And he will be with you and he will help you. Whatever the outcome is, he will be there for you and he will take you through. You know, because I believe that, you know, the word of God says that what he has started, he will bring to completion. And I believe God has started some amazing things in the lives and hearts of you here at One Heart Church. And you've got to, it's having that faith and that trust and that hope in him that he will bring it to completion until the, to the day of Jesus Christ. So if you'd just like to stand with me this morning. Perhaps this morning you need to be reminded that you have been chosen by God. Perhaps you need to be reminded this morning that God knows exactly where you're at, what you're going through. Even if you're in a place where you don't want to be, God sees you and he's telling you he knows where you are and he loves you. Perhaps there's areas this morning that you feel, yes, you know, I have really lost hope. I have not really been putting my trust in God in those areas. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never, ever really given your heart to Jesus. 
you've never really understood what it's been like to have that incredible personal close relationship with Jesus well we would love to introduce you to him this morning perhaps there's people here that have suffered incredible rejection and perhaps it's just the time today to be able to open up your heart and say Holy Spirit I need you to come and I need you to start to bring healing into those areas of my life I don't want rejection to control my life or shape me anymore I don't want my reactions to come out of hurt and pain but I want it to come out of a, a heart that is healthy and whole or perhaps you just need a real fresh touch of the Holy Spirit this morning perhaps you've been really doing it tough and perhaps you just know that you just need that fresh touch of the Holy Spirit that refreshing that comes from his presence and just while the worship team sing this beautiful song if you'd like prayer just come to the front and we would just love to pray the ministry team will come and they'll just pray but I just believe it's a special time that if something has touched your heart and you feel that you need to respond you come and we would love to stand with you and just pray and allow God to do what he can do today